Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the 12-6 podcast. It's your boy, Mario. We are joined by, obviously, Ryan, my co-host. What up, Ryan? Not much, man. How we doing? We're doing good. And then we got two guests today. We got Mr. Ben, a frequent guest of the podcast. What is up, Ben? Oh, good to be back. 12-6 podcast. It's like the days of Rome. It's starting to thrive, <laughs> and I love being back here. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you, Ben. We got our first timer. We got Mr. Mike C. What's up, Mike? Hey guys, how you guys doing? Thank you for having me on. Dude, we're glad to have you, man. This is a this is a specialty episode. So this week we're dropping two episodes. We got uh, we got the the UFC podcast dropping. We'll have Gonzalo on for that for our predictions. But today we got a NASCAR episode, NASCAR base. We'll talk about some baseball at the end. So Mike, first things first, we're going to talk about what happened yesterday, uh, the clash of the Coliseum, right? Yes, we'll be talking about that, and then you want to talk about some things too that, like, for me, I'm not really a, a NASCAR guy, so like, I find it interesting. Like, I collect some of the cars and stuff too. You know, like those are those are those things have value too. Mm-hmm. They do. So NASCAR is a pretty popular thing in, in the United States. So like, tell me what's up with the car. Like, you said there 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 was something new about the car yesterday. Like it was a whole exhibition thing you were telling me earlier. So what's up with the car? I know you got some notes. Tell me something about the car that like a regular person wouldn't know. So this new car that they're rolling out this year is called the Generation 7 car. And it's been in development for a few years. And they've been working on it to help make the racing better and closer than what it has been in the past. And with COVID happening in 2020, it got delayed because of COVID and can't be able to work on it and stuff like that. So they got more time to test it out and refine it to make it even more better. So a few things that is different with this car versus what the Generation 6 car was, which they were using from 2013 to 2021, is the Gen 7 car has a rear diffuser on it, which is underneath the car. It helps to eliminate dirty air from the person driving behind them to make sure that the person behind them can draft up to them closer and make an easier pass. So that was something that like impacted the car before, like impacted the race before, like yes. the dirty air from the, from the car. Okay. So that's something I didn't know. That's something that's interesting. So Mike, we gotta, you gotta really, you know, NASCAR better than anyone <laughs> I know. All right. But you gotta, you gotta treat us like we're kindergartners here. 100%. So why don't you explain the difference between the dirty air and the clean air and the advantages? Well, the clean air, it makes your car a lot more faster and a lot more aerodynamic uh, sensitive, but the dirty air will throw your car to a looser, tight condition and makes it harder to drive okay. and harder to pass. So that affects the person behind you, then? Yes. Right? Okay. If you're out in first place in clean air, your car feels phenomenal and that's like the best feeling in the world. So that's why some it's hard to like lap people. And that's why that's so that's something that I like wouldn't have known. That's one of the factors in a race. So that's like, so that's the stuff we want to know, Mike. That's some good stuff right there. Like, keep it going, man. So a few other things with this new car. Um, the wheels on these cars are up in diameter from 18 inches is the new diameter, but they were running 15 diameter wheels from Goodyear. And the old wheels had five lug nuts on them, which they used since the beginning of NASCAR. Mm-hmm. But now it's only going to be one big lug nut on the wheels. Really? Yes. Damn. That is a new change that they're doing. Also, the car has a shorter, this new car has a shorter rear end. The car is more symmetrical, so the sides of the cars aren't flared out. And stuff like that, and the car is more symmetrical to eliminate side force. Because how, how will the like the one big lug nut affect like pit stops? You're gonna see for the first couple of races that the pit stops are probably gonna be longer than what they were in the last couple of years. 
So they used those yesterday, right? Yes, the single log. So did you notice like a, a like an increase of time with the pit stops then? Because they, like you said, it was like an exhibition, right? So did it, did you notice anything different? Is that something you looked at? Well, we're not really going to get a notice on that till they get to Daytona, which is coming up. Because yesterday they didn't really have any live pit stops during that race. So once we get to Daytona, we're going to really see how these pit crews are going to be able to get down shorter in time. It's another, another thing that could impact the race, man. Yeah. That's the thing too. Like I always thought like, it was just a couple, like, you know, like some really expert drivers, like, you know, racing, there was differences in the car, but obviously you know, they had the same car. Right. So then like, what, what are the factors? And like, that's something that could change. And so your pit crew matters too. And all that stuff. That's, those are a lot of factors that like the average fan or like the average person would really know, but yeah, man, keep it going on this car. So this is some interesting stuff here. I will say one more thing on the uh, pit stops things. The pit stops in the last couple of years were anywhere from 10 to 12 seconds on a pit stop. But now you're probably going to see more 14, 15, 16 second stops. Because we, of the tires? Yes. Wow. Um, also with this new car, they're going to have a different gears, sequential gears in this car. It's five gears. Sequ- is sequential versus a 4H pattern shifter that they've used forever. So you're gonna have an extra gear in this new car, and stuff like that to help, you know, create more speed. So we're gonna get some faster, some faster cars on the track. Then it seems. Yes. Would that could that make restarts more fun too? Because you're going just you're are you going straight down then, on the gifts on the gear? So you go all the way. Could that make the car go faster? You're gonna see it pick up, especially when you get off to like tur- like a turn two on a racetrack. Uh-huh. You're, you're gonna when you get up to fourth, you're gonna have that extra gear to go to fifth. So you're gonna see them start to accelerate more toward the back straightaway into uh, the next corner. I think that could be pretty good, but it also could make it for some more uh, stressful, I guess, restarts because it seems like a, the worst thing is when the guy misses a shift. So if that happens, some cars are really going to get run over then, right? Yes. Okay. That could actually happen. Look at me, guys. Ken knows his No, 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 no. This is good, man. Like, honestly, like, this is this is like this is why we ha- we wanted to have you on too much because like, you know, like, you're a big NASCAR dude. Like we don't like I don't really know much about it. You know, it's good to hear these kinds of things. Like you're opening my eyes to like a different side of it. You know, so this is good, man. Keep it going. So they're also with this new car. They're going to have a new horsepower package on this car this year versus what they've been using in the last couple of years. Last couple of years they've been using 550 horsepower on the mile and a half racetracks, and they've been using like 720 on short tracks and road courses. But this year they're going to be using 670 horsepower with the four-inch spoiler on all the mile and a half racetracks out there, and even on the road courses and short tracks. But super speedway races at Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta. Is going to be 510 horsepower with a seven inch spoiler. So that's another thing. Explain why for the super speedways it's less. It's less on the super speedway because these cars are going to be running in a pack of 40 cars, bump draftings, three wide, four wide action. And you sometimes when you have these accidents that we've had in the past, cars will take off flipping all over the place into the catch fence. So they want to have slower speeds with this restrictor plate package that they're having now so it eliminates bad crashes and mm-hmm. possible fatality yeah man that's a, that's a lot of things that like people forget that too man like nascar could be a could be a dangerous thing when it comes to like the crashes because you can't stop a car when it's rolling like, it's like you just can't you know so i mean yikes but uh yeah man keep it going keep it going so I'm going to say one more thing about that. The cars on the restrictor plate races for the last couple of years have been anywhere from 195 to 200 and pushing over 204, 205. But with these new cars, 
they want the speeds anywhere from 185 to 190 because they think it's safer, it produces better racing. And this car, to me, is kind of a throwback to the car that they ran from 1992 to 2007 called the Generation 4 car. So though when back in those days on restricted play races, those cars only ran 180, 190, and you would be three, four wide for two and a half, three hours. Great racing, stuff yeah. like that. And the fans really loved that about it. And another thing is, I think this car is also a throwback to that Generation 4 car is because the racing was so much better back then. And we dealt with bad racing for at least 10, 15 years with the different cars. What's, uh, what's back then? Is it like the Dale Earnhardt? Like, it would, uh, days, is that what we're that talking was about? like, what, Dale Jr., uh, Budweiser days, right? Yep, <laughs> Dale Jr., Budweiser days. So those Ford, are the good old days for you. Yeah. Okay. It's when I when I first started racing, or okay. watching racing, so. All right, man, that's some, that's some good stuff. And then, like, is there anything else in the car that you had for us? You got more stuff for it? Yeah, just a couple more things. Yeah, um, for sure. There is a new eyes. Obviously, we know what's going on with the supply chain issue mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Teams are limited on parts for these new cars. And they're having to really only have four or five cars ready for the entire season because of the supply chain issues and because that's an issue right now. How many cars do they go through in a season usually? Normally in the past, they've had at least nine, ten cars. But right now they only got four or five? Yeah. Wow. Um, That's a big drop. A new thing too, these new cars and the chassis that they've been built, they've been built by manufacturers instead of the actual teams. Okay. So the manufacturers of Chevy, Toyota, uh, Ford have built the chassis from the ground up themselves and then sent them to the teams. But in the past, the teams have built the chassis up from the ground. and Because it's more like a hands-on thing with yes. like their car and they know what they've built kind of thing? Yes, and they've had more creativity, but now they don't have that. Okay. Um, reason why is to cut costs and stuff like that. And also to have the smaller teams have a more competitive advantage against the big teams. Hmm. That's one of the reasons why they went to this new car. And they've also, these new cars have a composite body on them, which means the pot, the parts on the car stick on and stick off. Like they're composite and they're not metal. I'm not sure. Yeah. Let's keep it. Uh, you got, uh, so with that car, man, uh, is there anything like that? Uh, like what's the biggest difference? That's what I want to know. Like the biggest difference, like for you personally, like, like you, you, you see it, you evaluate it. What's the biggest difference that you feel is on this car opposed to the old car? I think the biggest difference on this car is just all the, you know, aerodynamic things. Like the car is more symmetrical. There's the rear diffuser. We've never seen that in NASCAR before, a rear diffuser. And people were skeptical to begin with because of that. And I think that the reason why they went to this new car is to just enhance the competitiveness between teams from the big teams to the small teams, just make the racing better. Because that's what NASCAR wants is racing better, more eyes on the sport because They've lost a lot of eyes on the sport in the last 100%. 10 years. I, I would think so, yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a good point, man. And then that's something we're going to touch on later, too. We had we had that going. But before we do that, we want to we want your take on uh, on what happened yesterday as we're shooting this on Monday, right? So yesterday was the uh, the race at the L.A. Coliseum, right? Yes. It was the first ever race there, if I'm correct? Yes, it is. And then the winner was Joey Logano, who I've heard. I've heard he's not the best dude, right? You don't, you're not a fan as much. So he's, like, uh... Tell me about this guy. Tell me about this guy right here. Well, he doesn't have a really good um, track record with other drivers. Is that uh, what say? Track record, like a track. He's just, he's really over aggressive in what he, how he drives and stuff like that. And a lot of drivers take issue with that. So like what's, but isn't that the point? And like when you're like competing, you want to be aggressive, right? Is that like, a, it's, so is it bad because it, 
it's dangerous. There's like a mutual respect and he doesn't care for it or what's I, up with that? I think a lot of it has to do with the mutual respect and the driver code. The driver code has really changed since the changing of the guard to the younger drivers coming in versus the older drivers going out. And just the over-aggressiveness just pisses people off. So the driver code would be like, uh, it wouldn't be like some like an actual rule. It would just be like a, hey, like we just don't do these things. It goes without being said. Is that what the driver code would be? Yeah. It'd okay. be like a thing that the drivers, that they have their own code. They know how to race each other. And, it's and like, he just doesn't care. He's yeah. just like, screw you guys. I'm winning in first. I don't care if somebody gets into a crash or not. It's one of those types. So yeah. my, my personal motto of rubbing is racing is not the new, <laughs> is not the in <laughs> I mean, it's it can still be the model. It just depends on who it is. Because it just depends on the fan base. What up with the what up with the shake and bake though? Eh? What was that from? Shake and bake. Yeah. So I think one thing, kind of to point out, Mike, and you can certainly touch on this, is I think NASCAR maybe has this culture of being more prominent in southern states, and a lot of those guys are from southern states. But I feel like throughout the last maybe twenty five years of racing, you've had Jeff Gordon kind of being the trailblazer, right? Because he was from California. Mm-hmm. And now you have Joey Logano, right? He's He was on the – you think he grew up on the East Coast? Is that accurate? Yes, Middletown, Connecticut. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. That's really good. <laughs> Pull that up right there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Exactly. So, you're right, two, two guys that aren't from the South. So, you have – does that – is there like that animosity that – I don't want to – I don't want to make it sound like almost like gang culture because it's certainly not that. But, right, like these people who aren't from the South, do they – is that like coming to this natural rivalry because they are they're coming from places where maybe the racing isn't as prominent, so to speak? I would think you would probably have more of an issue of the culture trans sector more in like the eighties and nineties. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Once Jeff Gordon came into the sport and tried to trailblaze the more of a northern sport and mm-hmm. West Coast and New York and all that stuff, he changed the culture of it. But like back in like, you know, the fifties, sixties, seventies and it's all southern sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, that's right. Cause think. that's right. Cause that's why people had issue. Part of the re- reason they had issues with Dale Earnhardt, right. was cause he wasn't, he was more North Carolina instead of like the shore. Right. Cause him and Waltrip, right. Cause Waltrip was from Alabama. No, Daryl Waltrip was from uh, Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. But right. Is that sort of a, I don't know. It's just, it's a geographical thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm asking, but yeah, just maybe those <laughs> kind of those boundaries, right. Maybe a Northern, state where north carolina compared to wall triples from kentucky i don't know i, I would think so yeah okay yeah all right those that's 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 an interesting one i didn't know that it was actually like the whole like uh that whole culture i don't know i mean obviously there was a to a point in time where like it was always a thing but like north and south or whatever but i know it, actually, it affected nascar like pretty recent from what you guys are saying so mm-hmm. um yeah man so getting back into the race uh Give me a give me a high spot of the race, like a, a point of the race, like I know, like just something that kind of is overlooked, but like as a story to keep track of in the future. Like, what is something you you, you remember? I think the high uh, high spot of the race has to be just the whole race in the event in Los Angeles, California, and I think doing this for an exhibition race out there in a new market to get new eyes on the sport is really one of the big things that NASCAR was really striving to do yesterday, mm. and because. It never hurts to get new eyes on the sport, new market, and yeah. stuff like that. And they had a really good crowd yesterday. So I think that the whole weekend, I think, was the highest spot of the weekend. And the race was pretty good, too. Well, you said that uh, it was an exhibition, right? So, like, it, it really was, like, a, it was a way to, like, showcase the new car, right, too. So I was one of those. It was it was for, like, that purpose and, like, to get them ready for Daytona, right, which is coming up. Yes. So 
so yeah, man, that's crazy. I, I did read that. It was like the first ever thing in the Coliseum in LA, right? That's that's huge for the sport. Get it get into a new audience, and you said it was packed. And then on top of that, you know, with Super Bowl coming up in the same area, that's there's, I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of like sport fans there throughout the week. You know, if they're there going to both too, even so, it's a big thing, man, for sure. Um, getting into one more thing about about the about the race here. I know you want to talk about the Daytona 500 and their favorites, right? Mm-hmm. So. What I'm asking from you and then Ben even, I don't know if you have a guy or Ryan even as well. Um, give me out of the favorites for the race, give me who you would pick. And then give me somebody that is kind of being overlooked because they're like a fresher face or maybe somebody you're like, you know what, this guy, this guy, is, this guy I've seen potential as a driver and he's, he's, he's moving up the chain a little bit for me, but not for others. Like give me, give me that kind of pick as well. So if I had to make a favorite for the Daytona 500, I would probably pick Denny Hamlin would be my favorite for the Daytona 500 because he has won at least four out of the last five Daytona 500s in the past few years. Really? Yes. So you're, you're thinking that it's going to stay consistent with this guy right here. He's been so good on restricted play races since at least 2015. It's, it's hard to go by past that track record that he has. And for an under, if you want to talk about like a name that's being overshadowed or underlooked, I would think you would put Michael McDowell, who won last year's Daytona 500, as a really good underdog bet. So even though he won last year, he's still like a pretty decent underdog to go after yes. then? Okay. And a lot has to do with the team he drives for, which is Front Row Motorsports, and that's one of the smaller teams out there. So it'd be overlooked because of his team. Yes. And that matters in these races too. Yeah. yeah. All right, good deal. Ben, who you got, man? Who you got? Um, yeah, I, I – Admittedly, I'm a big Denny Hamlin fan. Mike knows that. So I'm happy that <laughs> Mike thinks Denny, Denny can win it because that's always good to hear. Um, it's the first race, right? So you want to kick off the season right by winning. So, But uh, I think I'd go with Kyle Busch. I think Kyle Busch has really been really close in a lot of these restrictor plate races, uh, Daytona and also Talladega. So I feel like he's knocked on the door. And I don't know. I feel like he had a, almost a disappointing season last year. Just wasn't as effective as he usually is so i think he could maybe get off to a hot start here so i could see him the guy i would look out for um william byron is that kind of like an underdog thing uh, i mean i don't know he's not like mike's talked about with front row motorsports he's a hendrick guy right yes, so he's he got is. he's got much better equipment than someone with front row but i pick william byron because he's he did really well the coke 400 right i think he did he win it yes, yeah, he won it, right? 400, yes. yeah so he's he's won at this racetrack before because they, they race twice a year there. So I could see him maybe being kind of a, a sneaky favorite too. So, yeah, those would be two, my my favorite, Kyle Busch, because he's a he's a consummate professional. He's always going to be around. And then my maybe underdog, who's not as sneaky as Mike's, but William Byron. Okay. All right, Ryan, what do we got for you, man? We got we got some good – we got some good – I've never heard a couple of these names before. Like, I'm not a big NASCAR guy, but I still haven't heard some of these names. So – I'll be taking a couple of Mike's picks for sure, man. What, what do we got, Ray? Yeah, no, to be honest, I feel like kind of like an amateur right now. Yeah, dude. Oh, oh my like God, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, like literally Ben took the exact words out of my mouth. I was going to take Kyle Busch, too. Okay. Um, and part of my reason was going to be because last year was like a disappointment for him. Like to Kyle Busch standards, right? Like yeah. last year was extremely disappointing for him. And I, Did he even win a race last year? He did win. I think he did win a couple. Yes, but yeah. I mean, for his standards, he's usually winning what five, six races a year, yeah. something like that. And I know that he, I know at one point during the season, he had a long drought where he went winless for a long time. But yeah. uh, so I would take Kyle Bush. But something that Ben and I have talked about is like Daytona, it's such like basically you just got to avoid the crash. You know, there's going to be multiple crashes throughout the race. 
especially the last couple of laps, there's always a huge wreck in the last, what, three, four laps, something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So basically, whoever can avoid the wreck and keep their car clean, keep their car no blow tires, man. Damaged, blow yeah, tires, has man. the best chance of winning. <laughs> that could be the dude that started 43rd or the dude that started mm-hmm. first, you know, as long as you avoid the big one. But I'm going to go Kyle Busch. Um, and then as my, you know, you guys got two picks, so. I gotta stick with my uh, my bush like guy, Kevin Harvick. <laughs> right, there you go, Kevin Harvick. So I'll go Kyle Bush or Kevin Harvick. Well, to talk about pops, is this Kevin Harvick's last year? Right? Is there that had, true? There had been talks about him possibly retiring. Yeah. Really? So, How old is the guy? How old is he's, he's in old. his forties now. Yeah. But but to speak on that, his teammate Eric Almarola just announced his retirement after this year, and Eric Almarola is a teammate of Kevin Harvick at Stuart Haas Racing, and Eric Almarola is retiring at the end of this year. So they can retire together, huh? But. But that's the thing. It's, if this is Kevin Harvick's last Daytona 500, it's the granddaddy. It's like, it's like the Rose Bowl. It, it is. It is. The, it's, uh, it's like the Super Bowl. Like, it's NASCAR. Like I mean, obviously not. They, they the ultimate goal is to win the championship. But I don't think any NASCAR driver who wins the Daytona 500 could say they have a bad year. So mm. Kevin Harvick, I don't know if he's going to win championship. Spoiler alert to the next segment. But yeah, if he wins the Daytona uh, 500, that'd some, be good. Something too with NASCAR, and it's just kind of bizarre. Is like. All, all the drivers that are retiring at, like, young ages, you know, relatively young ages. You had Dale Earnhardt Jr., the most famous name in all of NASCAR, retired. Jeff Gordon retired. Jimmy Johnson, Carl, like, you could go down the list. Carl Edwards, mm-hmm. like, they're all retiring at pretty young ages, and it's not good for the sport. You know, like, if, if Kevin Harvick leaves, that'd be a huge name that's gone. Uh, Almirola is not as big of a name, but still, you know. I would even throw Kurt Busch into that, too, because yeah. I know he's at a new team with Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin at 23-11 racing this year, but there was talk of him retiring last year. Yeah. But here he is. He's on this team this year. Yeah. Because, yeah, when you think, like, early 2000s, when NASCAR was at its peak, you had all those huge names, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, you know, Dale Earnhardt, and they're all out of the sport. And I think that that's something that really hurt NASCAR for a while, too, is they were searching for that next big name. And – uh yeah, I don't think they've really replaced it. Like, I don't think they've replaced a Dale Earnhardt or a uh, Jeff Gordon. And it's yeah. true, man. I will say that much. Like, my dad is like, uh, like you know, he came over from Mexico, whatever. Like, you know, in the '80s, you know, he started watching NASCAR when he came over. He's got a ton of Dale Earnhardt stuff. Like, yeah, tons yeah. of it. Oh, cause yeah. Because he was a popular dude. Yes, he was. It was NASCAR was like it in like the late '90s and stuff. I will say though, like something that NASCAR has kind of lost, I feel, in the last little bit is like they've lost personality. I think. Like, I think drivers are so quick to, like, complain about somebody rubbing them or complain about somebody turning them. Whereas, like, early 2000s, like, that's just what happened. Dude. Like, you got turned going to the last lap. You know, like, I'm going to win this race. Like, I'll turn you to mm-hmm. win the race. But yeah. nowadays, like, you were talking about the code earlier, right? Mm-hmm. You just don't see that as much, you know. And I think it's kind of lost a little bit of the NASCAR spark. Like, something that made NASCAR extremely fun to watch, you know. So, yeah. That'll be something we talk about after after our, our first half here, but we wanted to talk really quick. You wanted to talk about a Final Four, right? Yes. At, at some point. Okay, so Mike, tell us, tell us what you want to talk about regarding that. So the Final Four would be four championship drivers after the playoffs make it to the final race in Phoenix, and four drivers make it to race for the championship after going through three rounds of elimination every three races in the playoffs. The playoffs are ten races, but you have a cutoff race every th- third race. And the field will go down from 16 to 12 to 8 and then to 4. So the four guys I think that can be in that championship race, racing for the title in Phoenix, I have is Kyle Larson, who is your defending champion last year, Chase Elliott, who is your 2020 champion, 
and he was also in the Final Four last year. And I also think Denny Hamlin may get it done this year. He's been in the Final Four so many times, but hasn't done it. And then an underdog that I don't think anybody would pick to get out of the playoffs would be Ryan Blaney. Yes, I like that. Ryan Blaney, very likable dude. He's always been there, but he's always he's kind of been in the shadow a little bit of uh, Kozlowski and Legato, right? Yes. So because yes. they're all on the same team, so he always kind of gets underdog. But yeah, no, I I really like Ryan Blaney. Definitely one of the more likable guys on the on the circuit. Yeah, that that's good to hear. I like that. All right. Did you guys have one you guys wanted to talk about? Final let the guests go. Oh, yeah, we'll thank you. Guess, sure. Guess go first. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll copy off the, the expert. I'm, I'm looking on his paper here, but um, <laughs> it's hard not to just say Kyle Larson, right? Like he was, I mean, he had probably one of the most dominant seasons ever last year. Is that fair? Yes, that is fair. Yeah. Like he was just, he was an incredible driver last year. Really did a nice job. Um, then I'd go – I think I'd, I'll stick with Mike here, and then I'll veer off. But Chase Elliott, can never count him out, right? He's he's probably the most popular – he is the most popular guy. You're talking about that next guy. I think that if it's not Chase Elliott, I don't know who it's going to be. So I think he's going to have a good bounce-back season here in 2022. Then I'm going to go with the guy that I think has a good chance to win the Daytona 500, William Byron. I think he's yeah. he's in a good form. I think he's starting – he's had a few NASCAR seasons under his belt now. I think he's starting to get in this – time when he's really got comfortable and he's able to get on and i think that should be a good part and then i my sleeper i don't think i, I wouldn't put money on it but i thought i'd be a little contrarian here how about tyler reddick Ooh, tyler reddick anybody maybe he's a little hotter right he's got he's one of the young and upcoming drivers um he's always been around i remember the when i fell in love with him was when i think he was because he a couple of years ago he was on in the Bush series still correct yes the Xfinity but series, or the Xfinity yeah. series yes sorry um but he I think he was in the Coca Cola six hundred was it and he ran up the front all night long he has no fear so I think he's got the moxie to to hang around and just be there at the end and if a couple things fall his way I think he could be there to say one point on that your point of Tyler Reddick he would be a good pick because he's also won two Xfinity Series championships back to back years with two different organizations hmm. with Junior Motorsports and Richard Childress Racing. So, all right. so, so he's got that championship experience. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right. So I like I like I like you you know veering off a little mm-hmm. bit, getting your own little two picks there. You guys are you're similar with Chase Elliott and the so like I, I I've heard, definitely heard that name before. That's a famous dude. So Ryan, let me get your final four before we go to the half here, man. All right, yeah, we're going all three for three with uh, Kyle Larson. Like mm-hmm. after his, you mentioned his dominating season last year. I don't know how you couldn't put him in the final four. Um, next, I got Kyle Busch. I mean, the dude's just—I mean, he's a winner. Like, I mean, I expect him to get back to his old Kyle Busch form, winning six, seven races this year. Um, third, got to go with Kevin Harvick for no other reason than I like him. And then we're all going sleepers here. I'm gonna go Christopher Bell. Yes. Oh, that's another good pick. Yeah. There you- for, another, for what reason? Again, I got none, but just uh, gut instinct. So those are my final four. I like that. I like I like the gutsy the gutsy call. All you guys, that's always respectable, right? You make a name for yourself with hot takes, so I like it. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we're gonna cut to the second half here. When we come back, we're gonna ask Mike what he would do to make NASCAR a uh, more popular as it used to be. So we'll we'll get to that when we come back here. All right, so this segment is actually we're going to be throwing ideas to Mike 
and Mike is going to say if he likes them, he's going to rank them in a certain order. So we're, we're going to go back and forth. So guess goes first. Ben, what's your first idea? The whole idea of it is to make NASCAR more exciting, right? Yes. Different ideas to make NASCAR yes. more and exciting for anybody to watch. And that's anybody what we're and, and Ryan's saying that because he's probably got some crazy ass thing that he's gonna say <laughs> just now. So, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> I'm very interested. Oh, yeah. He's probably gonna. Okay. Yeah, he's like, oh, we should get the the. Sports Illustrated models to sit in the passenger seat. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. I mean, see the ideas. See, that's what he's saying, dude. dude. The ideas are endless. Man. I'm very interested to see what you guys come up with. All right, Ben. All right. Give us your first one. We'll go back. Okay. Mine starts before the race even begins. It starts with qualifying. They need to bring qualifying back. But the driver is blindfolded. <laughs> and he has to go around the track with the help of his crew chief. So the crew chiefs oh and the radio say, all right, stay up, stay up, stay up, or whatever. And, and if they do that, whoever's fastest gets to go first. But the risk here is they only have one extra car, right? So if they screw up their car trying to qualify, they could be really screwed. So that would be my first one. Blindfold the driver <laughs> and make him go around the track as fast as he Because I, I think there's strategy involved. Like, slow and steady wins the race. Okay, maybe we start 30th, but we don't screw up our car. But then, you know, maybe there's people like Ricky Bobby. If you aren't first, you're last. Like, I'm going to try and go around this, right? Like, oh, So, when they're doing this, is it solo or is there other cars on the track, too? No, just one. Dude, I like oh, okay. this. This sounds that crazy. Was that was really good. I'm like, this is, okay. this is fun stuff, that man. That's a good like, idea right there. Yeah, I, I think that'd be fun. <laughs> I'd watch it. That's an, that's like a, such a far out there thing to say that. Like, it's so crazy it might work. You know, that's one of those type of things. All right. Hold that thought, Mike. I know I know you're like, okay, that's good, whatever. Let's see what Ryan has to say here. All right. So for mine, <clears throat> at the start of each race, so the first lap, Every driver has to channel their inner Ricky Bobby, and they have to do an entire lap in reverse. <laughs> okay. Right? In the movie, Ricky Bobby won a race driving in reverse, right? Yeah. So the first lap of each race, every car must complete the lap in reverse. That's my idea. <laughs> I think I I think you should be so that you just have to do one period. So it's like we're twenty six we're twenty six laps in. Oh, here's Chase Elliott going backwards. He's doing his first lap. Yeah, he's gotta use it. has gotta use it at some point. Yeah. And then the other cars. Oh, yeah. dude, when uh, I can't remember what game it was, but when I was younger, we had a, I had a NASCAR video game, and that was one of the rules when we played. That one of the guys had to do a lap in reverse, and then it was the other people's job to, to to get out of that guy's way, right? So he didn't cause a huge wreck. So I like that. Yes, at any point, actually, I changed it. At any point in the race, every car has to do a lap in reverse. Yeah. Do you imagine you're like you do half your lap in reverse, and the caution comes out, and you have to start it over? I'd be so pissed. I'd be so pissed. Oh, awesome. okay. Okay. Oh, gonna do the reverse lap or something? Yeah, like, yeah, because like, like you can't finish it under caution. Because if oh, you could, then man. everyone would just do it under caution. But, okay. Yeah. Man. All right. So we got we got one on one here. Uh, ben, give us your second. Okay, second my idea. second is we take out the team aspect of NASCAR and make it just two people. So it's the crew chief and the driver. So. When pit stops come, the crew chief is the jack guy. But the driver's got to get out of the car and change his own damn tires and then do his own gas because then it's like a every man thing. Like, I, I remember when I was younger, 
like this is how my dad tricked me because he knew I was in NASCAR. So he'd be like, okay, son, now get the gas. So I would like <laughs> pretend I was doing the gas. I'd like <laughs> fake change all of his tires. Uh, now I realize now that I'm older, he just didn't want to pump his own damn gas. <laughs> just do it for, make it an everyman sport. Be like, oh yeah. Like, you know, you people are like, oh, I could change a tire. and Because I've changed a tire. It's, it's tricky. Now those cars are much different than the regular car I drive. But mm. I think that'd be interesting. Now I, I appreciate the, that would cause, that would, eliminate a lot of jobs and put people out of a sport like that's really shitty of me yeah but uh, i don't know i think it'd be interesting okay that's like that's, that. that's an outside the box idea as well man all right we, we got we got ben second all right ryan give us your last one here all right my second one here is every every pit stop a driver must shotgun a beer before he can leave. <laughs> <laughs> so before you can leave your pit you must completely finish the beer before you can head back uh-huh. out on the track now, if it's a race where there's a lot of a lot of wrecks, we shotgun a lot of beers, right? Okay, so drivers a little looser. Could make things more exciting, man. Could th- make things more exciting. So let's get the drivers drunk while they're driving on the on the on the on the, on the track at about one eighty. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> and then they all talk shit to each other because they're all shotgunning beers except for Joey Logano. He has a Michelob Ultra because he's a pussy. <laughs> he's like, Where's my glass of wine at? Yeah. Oh. Could you, you better get Kyle Larson's wife to shotgun all those beers. Oh yeah. Did you, you imagine like freaking Kyle Larson wins a race and he has a BAC of like 0. 0.1? Like <laughs> guy's drunk. Oh my god. Oh man. Oh boy. So Mike, you've got drive a lap in reverse, do your own pits, shotgun a beer. And then, Ben, what was your first one? The blindfold. The blindfold. Qualified driving with uh, qualifying blindfolded. All right, Mike. Give us give us the Rank order. Them. What do we got? Well, I'm going to tell you, all these are really out of the box. And I was not <laughs> really expecting all that. You surprised me. I can tell you that much. Um. Okay. So, I would say probably the best idea. You know what? I'm going to go with Ben's changing the tire thing. Yeah. Oh, change your that, Okay. That would be interesting yeah, to see that. Yeah. Change your own damn tires, right, Chase right, Elliott. We got, we got one. Change your tire. Change your own um, damn tire. Yeah. That's my slogan. <laughs> ben Ariano, President of the United States. Change your own damn tire. <laughs> For the second one, I would say do I would do the shotgunning beer. Oh. Yeah. That, that would be interesting to see how the drivers would be under the influence at like 180 miles Well, I also think hour. that's probably dangerous. They probably wouldn't be under the influence, but they'd probably be like buzzed. You know? They'd be yeah. buzzed. Yeah, so they're they're buzzed, and they have to change their own damn diet. <laughs> <laughs> that would make it interesting. Kevin Harvick's pit stop has been eleven minutes. <laughs> okay, and then the last two. Do I have? To, can I say they're in a tie? Because I yeah. do I have to? Re- I would say they're both tied because a reverse lap, and then what? The first one was the the crew chief thing for qualifying, yeah. right? I think that'd both be pretty interesting to do that because you're both kind of the same thing. Because you're one, you're going the wrong way, and the two, when you're qualifying, you're blindfolded, and you have the crew chief telling you where to drive. So I think it'd kind of be like a combination of like both. I think. Could I add a bonus one? Add it. Add I it. think when it gets to the final four, they should just do like, because uh, Phoenix is a mile, right? Yes. Yeah. So for that, they should just do a hundred lap shootout with just those four cars. Like I don't. I just think it's. Weird that the like, all the other car cars race on the last race of the season, even though it really only matters that the four drivers do. Like, like it should be a privilege. Like, I think that'd be super. Like a like a Hunger Games. Like four four cars. You guys, you can qualify however you want, and then one, two, three, four, and you just race to the end, and it's a hundred laps, so it's a shootout. Like you gotta go quick. Like it's not like you know, yeah. so you gotta make some good. No, dude, I actually really like that because yeah. like 
once cars start getting eliminated, dude, like, what do they have to race for, mm -hmm. you know? And then, like, oftentimes you get cars that are competing for the championship and they're getting, like, screwed over by cars that it doesn't matter. Like, their their season's over, you know? And then yeah. they'll be blocking cars that are in the Final Four or whatever. So I think that could be really interesting, yeah. actually. Just leave it to whoever's left for the championship. I think that I think that's a really good idea, too. But my only thing to that is what makes NASCAR different of their playoffs is from different sports you know all the other sports once you're in the playoffs you lose you're out but when nascar is you still have you know 36 other guys their their season's over yes mm -hmm. in the sense for a championship but they're still trying to go out and win and make the team owners happy and the sponsors happy too so yeah yeah no i agree that's why i would just do it for the last race because i think like the rest yeah like you said there's money that's why they won't do it but when's the last time i'm gonna say this is gonna be like two years ago but when's the last time someone in the contention for the championship that wasn't in the contention for the championship, won the last race of the year. You make a very good, strong point. That's that's been a while. That's okay. It's oh, been a very, God. it's been a while. I wasn't sure, but yeah, no, no, I, I figured that that's the only reason. But yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. You want it to be as right because then it'd be kind of gimmicky. Like it'd be like you know you don't play NHL hockey three on three in the playoffs. No, I know what you mean. You want to keep it as true to the sport that you've been doing for the last seven eight months because the NASCAR season is so damn long. I feel bad. Things like nine months. It's ridiculous feel bad for those guys dude it is really long and they get like no off season yeah i i feel it's like ryan i think that's part of why uh people are retiring so early dude they end in late mm -hmm. november and then they start back up early february like yeah i mean i it's not like the most like taxing sport on your body or anything like that but still like i mean you're spending at least nine ten months out of the year racing 36 weekends a year so i mean if you do that for 10 15 20 years it's gonna yeah, take a toll true. on you take, yeah yeah all right. Well, I mean, you, that was you guys dominated the conversation because you guys, you know, that's that's your guys' thing. But uh, I like uh, I like the idea stuff. But, uh, I like the NASCAR talk with Mike, man. It's, it's good to like learn the to learn the, the the sport with you, man. It's there's a lot more to it than just like a bunch of dudes on the track. You know, there's a lot more to it, and like you, I mean, you you, you laid it all on the table for us, and we appreciate that, man. Um, so uh, you got anything else on NASCAR you want to talk about before we go into some lockout news? Um, actually, well, no, not really. I think I covered yeah, literally man, everything. We, we saw it, a solid 40-ish minutes on, on, on NASCAR, man. I just appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, man, it's good to uh, it's good to have to add another uh, another thing to the pod, man, to the 12-6, you know. It's good to add another element to it. Um, so, yeah, with that, with that, how about we get into some lockout news? we get to our beefs um <clears throat> and then feel free to jump in whenever you guys want so update last week the owner submitted a request for federal mediation which uh the players denied they didn't want it they believe and obviously max scherzer who's like the mouthpiece for the players association believes that uh what they're asking for is fair um there are so many things that are going into that right now that are hard to explain, but obviously at the forefront of it is dollars, you know, and there's an arbitration pool of money that the players wanted. They wanted a hundred million dollars. The owner said, no, we want that at 10. So we're, they're just so far apart right now in these conversations. So, uh, that, uh, that, that sucks that the, the owners are actually meeting up this week at the end of the week to discuss, what their counteroffer will be to the players. So we're still pretty much at a uh, – we're, we're pretty much no progress still. <clears throat> really think about it. 
Yeah, so, still a huge stalemate between uh, the players and the uh, the owners. This thing's been going on for months now, and dude, if they're not coming to a, rough, it, man. it doesn't seem like it's coming closer. This is rough. You know, I I, I, I thought as we got closer, there'd be a little more like, hey, we're meeting every day. It's just not even. It's not even like that. It's not. We're still waiting for the owners to meet, which they're going to meet probably tomorrow or Wednesday or whatever it is, and they're going to come up with it with a, with a thought and a plan to send back to the players, and then. It'll just be a back and forth. Um, honestly, I know a lot of people are on the on the player side, but I think it's if, if the owners wanted a federal mediator to come in, just let it just let it happen. Maybe there could be some progress done there. Um, the players are I think the players are asking for change, which is their right to do so. But I think they're asking for so much at one point in time where it would just change like the owners and, and like the way they operate their businesses so much. So it's like obviously, you know, if you're making so much of the pile, you're not going to want to give up that entire stack you know right at the same time that's got to happen over time slowly and the players are just going right for the bite trying to get all of it done at once which you know they can do that it's just going to cause these issues so uh yeah i was going to ask our two guests here like who would you guys put at at blame if you were to blame one side who would you who would you put at fault most i i would go with the owners i mean they're they're just not even negotiating a little bit so like mario said bringing in a federal mediator the mediator is going to say well what the hell are you guys doing like i think but the players talked about $100 million and the owners are like 10. Like, come on. Like, these teams, they'll never, they never are going to depreciate in value. They only grow. That's all they've been doing for 10 years. It's not like it's a statistical anomaly where one year they have one really good year. No, they keep growing. But the owners are just so greedy. That's what's so disheartening about it. The thing I always say, this is a little off topic, but you'll see where I'm coming from. If you came over with Christopher Columbus in 1492 to America, and started working, and you kept working every day till now, that's over 600 years, you would have, and you made $5,000 a day, you still wouldn't have a billion dollars. So, like, I don't care how old you live. I don't care how much modern medicine you have. Like, they're just greedy. Like, once you get to a billion dollars, and I, I don't want this to come off like socialism or ca- communism, no, but, dude, th- like, I, once I, you I, have I, that I, much I, money, like, you, you're never going to spend it no matter how long you freaking live. So give these other guys chances, not for them, but for their grandkids or for their kids to get opportunities that other people don't have. They deserve that because they're making the product just as much as you are. But if you're greedy, there's no, you know, oh, I want 150 million compared to 100. No, like spread the wealth, like because that reinvests it. It makes for a better product for everyone. It makes everyone's lives better. And I think if you're a business owner, obviously, yes, you have to make money. That's what makes business businesses work. But any chance you have it to make your employees' lives better, I think you have to take. Otherwise, I don't think you're in it for the right reasons. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair. That's a fair thing to say. I like for me with that too. It's like I, I, a lot of people don't know that baseball was actually the most profitable sport in the in the world mm-hmm. in terms of like obviously like soccer as a whole makes more. But like we're talking like Bundesliga in Germany, right? They made like what like six five billion, right? Five point six billion, whatever the hell it was. Major League Baseball made like twelve billion dollars last last year, and then with the lockup, they made less. But obviously, but like over time, they're they're the most profitable sport in the world. So the owners are making money; they're making tons of it. Um, to me, though, with where it gets me with the players is like they they want change and they deserve it. I think that baseball players, the way the sport is, they shouldn't be making five seventy five k when they, which is a lot of money for us. Like we're here, we're we're talking about this, like, and that's the thing too with the players, with the people who are like passionate for the players, just like. 
all they're only making 575k like how much are you making dude like chill out for a second but beside the point it's uh they should be making like a million to start right and there should be there should be salary floors and teams and i, I agree with all that stuff but i think the players are just they're out here they're trying to make too much change at one point in time in terms of like the finances that's the problem and they went out here and they made these outrageous change ideas which they're not outrageous from what Ben's saying because they do they do deserve their their share of the pot, but the, the owners aren't going to see it like that. And then you got to you got to you got to take in, into account like the owners don't want that much change and the players do, and it's not going to get anywhere if you guys are just you know somebody wants this over here, they want this over here. It's it's just not it's never going to work out with with what both sides want, uh, and it's it's rough, man. At this point in time, the players got I think in my opinion the players do need to step back a little bit. That that's my thought. But I mean, really, I think you got to look at like, dude, both sides are extremely greedy. Literally, both sides are extremely just greedy. Sign, just sign the papers, get, just meet halfway. Yes, meet halfway. Just you guys are all rich. Meet well, that's the thing. Halfway. You're talking about billion dollar, billion dollar owners, and you're talking about multi million dollar players. You know, like they, they're both, both sides are in such great financial like setups, great financial possibilities and, and they're both being greedy about it. like you said like for a, a minimum salary to be a million dollars like dude that is like that's oh, ridiculous it's a ridiculous amount of money like you think about like a, a brain surgeon makes like five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and you're gonna say like some super utility second baseman making a million dollars a year is Larry Garcia's making like, four right? a year right freaking Larry it's generational wealth all these guys are making it's just greediness, greediness from both sides. Yeah. And Mario said it best. Like, they just have to find a common ground, you know? And that's just not going to happen at this point. But what do we got, Mike? I was going to I was gonna say I would put the blame on both the players and the owners. That's fair to say. But most of it would probably be on the owners because they're greedy. Yeah. And because I think what I've heard from sports writers in the past, that baseball has never really recovered since the, was it, the strike of 94, I believe, and stuff like that and what it did to the fan base. But now if you keep doing this lockout now, you're going to cut spring training, you're going to cut pitchers, catchers reporting, and then what ends if you don't get a deal done by the regular season? Then you're going to lose a regular season, and fan base of those teams that are good or bad or whatever aren't going to be very happy. Yeah, and honestly, um, I think the people who stand to lose the most money, even though they have more of it, are the owners. The owners, I, I, I would think, want the season to start on time more so than the players. Because the owners are at stake to lose way more money in terms of like you know ticket sales, like having the ballpark open, like they're going to lose a ton of money. Um, and the players, they you know they have the union for a reason. The union sets aside money for these kinds of situations, and like I, I don't know how long that lasts, but I, when the season starts, I'm assuming they're going to start throwing money. So hopefully that doesn't happen for their for their sake. But I think the owners will cave eventually, but I don't think it's going to be for like how much the players want in terms of, of like the. The, the bargaining and like what they want, where they want to be at at this point. Just some of the things I've read. I know they've agreed to DHs, which is great. Um, I know they've agreed to some sort of a, like draft lottery system, which will implement to avoid tanking more so in terms of like, you know, the Pirates losing 115 games every year. That'll help. I won't ensure them getting a first round pick anymore, but I mean, they, you know, if you're losing 115 games, you're probably getting like 100 ping pong balls in there. So, yeah, I mean, there's some changes coming that the players, you know, wanted and the owners really weren't opposed to it. I think the players are just kind of – they're reaching out a little too far. So, yeah, uh, that's the lockout stuff, man. It's uh, still pretty much nothing. And then uh, we have – like, we predicted this too. Anybody can reach in on this one. Uh, 
how soon after do we think the lockout ends? How soon is it going to be for all of the guys to sign that are left? Um, a few. I think it'll be a couple days, just because I think they want to cover their own asses, knowing that, like you talked about off the off the air, just use a professional term. Um, <laughs> like the, the deals have still been going on. So yeah, no, so, for sure. So right? they they're gonna they're gonna have a little grace period, just so because it would look really bad if they just if they were like lockout ends. All right, where do I sign? All these signings, like, and all these trades, like very. Which, yeah. like, honestly, could you imagine that? Like, you know, you, you turn on the network, like, oh, everybody, the lockout's over, they've signed, and the next thing you know, it's like, hey, Carlos Correa to the coach, <laughs> the White Sox traded for <laughs> yeah. Cattel Marte, Andrew Vaughn's. To, right. Like, it's just like, it's like, I w- would I be surprised to see that? No, but if it happens really quickly, like, there's going to be some investigations. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, what the hell, Rick Hahn? Why did you? How did you get like these trades done? How did you get these signings done? So. Yeah, the creator of the Cubs would be great because then uh, they'll be they'll be looked into. Because <laughs> we'll do Bruce Levine out here. I mean, of a uh, of CBS Sports, right? If I'm not the score, score. Yeah. He's a he's he's a big uh, he's a big uh, creator of the Cub guy. So we'll see, man. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it is. It's gonna be interesting to see how long this uh, this lasts for. Like, you think like what kind of spring training do you think we're gonna have? I mean. Shit, like usually it starts at the end of February, you know, and it's in a couple weeks from now. Pitchers and catchers should have already reported listen, by now. Listen, and- this is the one thing that we all know in this room that every fan knows: baseball players are the some of the biggest divas in terms of athletes in the world. Yes, they are. So they're gonna get their three, four weeks in of spring training, regardless. Well, the creatures of habit, dude. Yeah, no, and that's the thing too. Yeah. Is like, hey, like I want chicken at four p.m. before my game every day, and if I don't get it, I'm gonna bitch about it, type guys. So if you think for a second these guys are gonna have a what would be the a telecommunicated or whatever you want whatever the word you want to use for for a crunch screen training, that's just not gonna happen. These guys are gonna get their three four weeks. They're gonna get their long toss in you know a month before, and they're gonna be like, hey, we start if they start late February and they and then they ramp up games into mid March, then we're gonna have a mid April spring training uh, uh, opening day. <laughs> that's just the way it's gonna be. It's interesting you say that though because I thought. Part of the thing that players wouldn't care about as much was spring training so long because the owners try and make so much money off of it that if they lose a few games, they're not going to blink as much. I, I don't know. That's just what I heard. So I think that, like, this is my thought, like, on the whole thing. Uh, if, I, if I get what you're asking correctly here is if they start late, they're not going to make up those games. Yeah, so you won't get they're the tickets. Just gonna, or the... Exactly. So the owners are going to – the owners can't really – I think that's going to be something the owners are going to have to, like, you know, that's what's making them want to start quicker. So if you start in mid-April, every game that you miss for the first two weeks, there's going to be gone. And then you keep the regular schedule and you keep going. And then you might have to flex in some some division games. So you might have to lose some, you know, like the Padres series with the White Sox. That might be something you have to kick out, right, something like that. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, like, I think it, as far as games itself, if players miss spring training games, they won't care. But they're still going to want that three to four weeks of, like, without a doubt, at the complex working out every single day, whether it's taking live BP or live fungos or whatever it is. They're not going to want to miss that time. But I think you look to like football. Uh, they took away a spring training game, right? Because mm-hmm. the players didn't want that fourth spring training right. game. So they added another regular season game. Oh, so good point. That yeah. Is something that baseball does, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that would be horrible. Did they start sooner? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, Baseball always has like the sort of a purity, lack of a better term. I don't know if they'd ever touch 162. That seems like such a 
Yeah. Plus the thing too, like if it was a big deal to the players, then it would be touched on. But I haven't heard like any of that and any of the stuff coming out with like so shortening the season. No, but there was. There was, there was something a little bit. Last year yeah, there was some the stuff. Season. Yeah, to avoid like injuries and stuff. And then they made the 15 day DL into the 10 day IL, and there was a whole thing. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, who knows? Who knows? They could throw that in there. Hey, it's actually 158 games now. We added four off days in the middle of the year. Which would be fine. Like I, I'm tired of trying to race home every night to to catch a 7 p.m. Sox game. So, like it, it wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it much a day or two off of like you know, punching the wall because you know, yeah, Giolito's hanging circle changeups out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't also be the shortening the season. What they've been talking about in these discussions of an expanded playoff because you would add you'd add more teams into the yeah. playoff and then wouldn't that add yeah. more? Yeah. Games? So one of the things that I read as well was. And that's the thing too. That's why they're so far off. Like I, we got five minutes here, so I'll try to make this as quickly as possible. So there's some things that are out being floated out there um, as a, a two division league. So in the AL, there'd be the West and the East. So the White Sox would probably fall in the West, unfortunately. So we're going to end up watching, you know, 9 p.m. start times every other week, which would suck, right? So that could be it's similar to uh, similar to basketball. So oh, okay, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So it would be like the American League has two divisions the East and the West and the National League has two divisions, the East and the West. So, um, you know, that's how they would go with that, you know, and, and they, they would, you basically, you you're at the top of your division and your league. And then, you know, you get the, you get the playoff spot. And then I think it goes just uh, overall record at that point. So it was a whole thing. That was one of the things they floated out there. So that's the thing. They're so far apart in talks at this point still that you can't really say, but don't be surprised if you see like, hey, there's a restructuring of, of divisions. And next thing you know, the Cardinals are in the West and the Cubs are in the in the East and they're not really playing each other as much anymore. Like that would that would be like some like that's a that's a rivalry that we've had like mm-hmm. our entire lives and people before that are something that just wouldn't even exist as much anymore. Yeah. So those are things that we can see that we can we might be able to see those kinds of things it would be interesting but yeah i mean uh, we'll see where we go with that uh four minutes left let's get our beefs in really quick guess go first we'll have uh we'll have mr ben go first here all right real quick my beef is alvin Kamara. what the hell man like i he was one of the kind of the last guys i really like had a fandom for i kind of like a childhood fandom for he won me a fantasy league i just love watching him play i just i don't know what he was doing like you know, getting in a fight in the light, the nightclub. So I was disappointing because, you know, it seems, you know, never meet your heroes, I guess. Not that I'd met him, but, you know, it turns out to do this. So that was a black eye for me, and I was pretty upset with it. So hopefully he gets past this. But, yeah, that was disappointing to see. Well said. That's a, it's a shitty situation. And I think I saw something where he's actually he's facing some prison time, which I don't know if that's true or not. You can't really take everything you see for, you know, to harder like you know you just wait for all the news to come out i guess like that's what i would tell everybody in these situations but it's pretty apparent that he did something wrong and we'll see what happens with it but uh mike what do we got man uh my beef of the week has to be the nfl pro bowl and oh, how boy. state of the share that game is nowadays it's two-hand touch with pads on and it's just not fun to watch not competitive you can keep the guys that are nominated for the pro bowl that's fine but the game's got to go yeah, dude, I, I was actually watching the Pro Bowl a little bit. I thought the same thing. I was like, this is the biggest piece of shit. I'm like, I don't know why anybody <laughs> To say it politely, this. yeah. It's, it's awful. Yeah, I agree. They need to do something with that. 
Um, my beef of the week, sticking with the theme of this uh, this podcast, NASCAR. My beef of the week is with NASCAR taking away Chicagoland, dude. Yeah, it uh, very nice. It was something that I'd go to every single summer. Uh, me and my dad would go, and even though the race was never really that competitive of a race, it was still a great event. They always had an awesome concert beforehand. Tailgating at NASCAR races is second to none. Just the overall party, the overall event of it all was was it, it was something like. I would always recommend a non-NASCAR fan just to go to once. It was right in yeah. our backyard and absolutely took it away from us, man. So that's my beef of the week. It actually really sucks because I always wanted to go to Chicagoland. Yeah. I didn't even know they took it away. Yeah. When did this happen? Happened in 2021 when they revamped the schedule. Oh, man. That's, that sucks. That sucks. Um, I guess I have one beef, which, you know, this literally ruined my betting week. So I'm just going to keep it short. It's the Egypt national team. Yeah, the Egypt national team really screwed me over this week. Uh, you see, you, you see Mohamed Salah, if you're a soccer fan at all, he's one of the best in the world. And you see him at a plus three thirty on the on the table there with with Egypt. You know, you got to take it. You know, I went for it, and he he missed he missed uh, he missed he missed a chance. He had a chance. He missed a goal. Um, now I know Mario laid fat coin on that. We laid we too, laid right? some fat coin, man. We laid Dang. some fat coin, and like when I the the devastation that I don't know who felt worse missing that goal, Mohamed Salah or me at work, because <laughs> <laughs> I was at that point I knew this is they're gonna lose or we're going to penalties, and they went to penalties and they won. Doesn't count though, right? Because soccer has the ties. So, thank you, Mohamed Salah. You ruined my week. Congratulations to you though. You made it to to a final and, and you lost, but penalties again, actually. By the way, so I mean, that's actually a quick fact. Four games, four penalty shootouts. Unbelievable. Um, so, Egypt national team, good ride, but you screwed me over this week. Ben and Mike, thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate it. We got like 10 seconds here. Welcome back. Talk NASCAR at the end of the year. And then Brian, as usual, co-host. Uh, we'll be shooting again Wednesday night for UFC. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the 12-6 podcast.